and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about post-corn herbicides. So we want to welcome you to Ag PhD Radio. If you've got a question for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening in your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so we are talking post-corn herbicides today, and I'll get to that in just a minute. I was going to let you know, too, we're going to go shortly to the Ag PhD mailbag as well. And there is one thing that I want to let you know, and I realize it's a long ways away yet, but we've got the Ag PhD field day coming up Thursday, July 28th. It's always the last Thursday in July. It's a free event we host on our farm each year. Just to say thanks to you for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio. Okay, so for post-corn herbicides, we're going to go through a lot of stuff today. Got a few guests that are going to join us to talk about this topic as well. But I, I really usually try to keep things simple on our, our farm. So I'll keep try to keep it simple for you as well. The the two most popular chemistries are HPPD and then we've got status. So the HPPDs would include things like Callisto, uh, Laudus, Impact, Armazon. Status, what that is, it's a little bit of dicamba and a lot of an active ingredient called diflufenzapyr. Now, personally, I like status better than HPPDs in terms of weed control. But the status costs about uh, $10, $15, $18 an acre more, depending on the rate and depending on which product you're using for the HPPD. So it's more expensive. In addition to those two things, you certainly could go with straight dicamba. You could use old buckthorn. You could use tough. You could throw a little bit of atrazine in with any of these products. So there is a lot to talk about when it comes to these post-emerge corn herbicides. And I'm just talking about the broadleaf herbicides so far. So we got some combination products out there. We got some grass killers, which probably mentioned Roundup and maybe even Liberty a little bit today. So we have a lot to get to. Again, if you've got a question for us or if you want to give us a call here, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Jim did from out in Ohio. Hey, Jim, how are you today? Doing good. Started planting beans this morning. My oh. knees are sore from getting down and digging in the dirt and seeing how they're coming. Well, hey, I, I'm glad you're at least out there and checking that out because too often, and it's true even on our own farm, where we get rolling and it's like, well, I got to get done and I got to beat the rain or whatever, and we plant probably more acres than we should before we look at things. So I'm glad you're checking things out. So I hear you got a question about Corvus today. Yeah, I got some of my earlier planted corn. I didn't get it sprayed, and it's already a two-leaf stage. And it would be all right to spray Corvus on there? Well, you're right at the edge. So we, what Corvus is, and, and for all of our listeners, and Jim, I'm sure you already know this, but it's a combination of Varro, it's an ALS herbicide, and more of a grass killer than anything, and Balance Flex. The Balance Flex is really the problem in there. If it wasn't for the Balance Flex in there, then we'd be fine. So, for example, there's a product, Caprino, that's Varro and Laudus. And that's perfectly fine to spray post-emerge. So what they say with this Corvus, well, first of all, let me just ask you this. Were you planning to spray the Corvus all by itself, or were you going to be putting anything else with it? I was going to be putting some Atrex in there. 
Okay. Yep. I, I don't. I really don't think that should be a problem. But otherwise, I believe right on the label they're going to tell you uh, V2, and that's the, the, that. That's your maximum size for that corn. So yeah, I'm. Am I a little concerned about it? Yes. But let me ask you this: Do you think you'd be able to get out there right away and get this done, or or what are things kind of looking like in your area now? Uh, maybe tomorrow or okay. the next day. We're okay. getting. It's awful warm here and it's yep. really pushing that corn yep same thing here awful warm our problem jim and i don't know if you've had this in ohio but the wind seems like it's blowing about 30 miles an hour every day yesterday was our first day we could spray in a long time and it might be our last day to spray in a long time so that's part of why i was asking the question here because if it gets to three leaf then you're off label and you just run more risk at hurting that crop so i i it have to be done pretty quick it's two yep. leaf yep Tomorrow is probably going to be in a three-leaf the way it warms now, it is. Now, let, let's make sure we're clear about this. When you say two-leaf, can you see two visible leaves, or are we talking yep. about the two-collar stage? Two leaves. Okay. If you can see two leaves, you are probably only at the one-collar stage, so you're probably still fine for, for just a few days here. But, yeah, you got to get it done quick and don't put anything else in there other than just the Corvus and the Atrazine. That's it. Uh, some dicamba would probably, would that hurt any? Or? Yep, that'll hurt. Can't do it. Okay. No, no it's okay. it's just the Corvus and the Atrazine. Otherwise, crop injury is going to be a problem for you. So leave the dicamba out. What I do is I just save that dicamba. If you want to spray that later, fine. Uh, but not not right now. Now, when you say dicamba, is this, what, what kind of dicamba are we talking? Is it Banville, Clarity, Status? What is it? Uh... Banville, I would imagine. <sighs> okay. So my comment where I said spray it later, don't spray it later if it's Banville. You're done. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we, we don't want you spraying Banville on big corn. So anyway, uh, yeah, I you got to just go Corvus, Atrazine, collar good, and, and leave it at that. All righty. Okay. I'm just kind of wondering, things just happening all, all of a sudden. It's wet, wet, and bam, it's... Yep. All of a sudden, everything's happening. I know. I hear you. That we we run into that same issue sometimes on our own farm. It it just it gets to be a real challenge when all these jobs get uh, shoved into a very short time window. But Jim, thanks a lot for the call today. We wish you luck out there. Hopefully, your crop turns out great this year. Okay. Well, thanks. You bet. Thanks for calling. All right, again, today in the show, we're going to talk a little about post-emerge corn herbicides. We'll get into some grass killers after a little bit. And like I was saying, we'll talk a little about Roundup and Liberty probably too. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that call came in talking about Corvus because that's one I, quite frankly, don't even think about as a post-emerge product. But technically, it can be used very, very early post. So lots of options will help you sort it all out here on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. 
That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio Live in the Morton Studio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're talking a little about post-emerge corn herbicides. And first on the show, we've got Tom Wood with us. He's with Belsham. Uh, Tom, how are you doing today? Good, Brian. How are you today? Excellent. So here on the show, we haven't talked a whole lot about tough over the last few years, but tough is a pretty good herbicide, especially when we're using it in, in a tank mix with a number of different products. But it can help us on a lot of resistant weeds. Talk to us just a little bit about tough and especially the weeds in particular that tough would be the strongest on. Yeah, so we there's a lot of herbicides out there. They all do a good job. Um, but we also know that resistance is growing. And in particular, adding tough 5EC, 8 ounces per acre on corn, um, does a very good job of improving control on tough weeds like water hemp, kochia, and palmer. Um, so if you have resistant um, fields, adding eight ounces of tough does a very nice job. Okay, you talk about resistance, but the two other issues that we've had, especially where we farm in this part of the world, we've had carryover problems from time to time. Uh, we, we run into that sometimes with HPPD products, either going to soybeans or especially to some of the specialty crops. And then the other thing, all over the United States and other areas in the world, drift. Drift and volatility has been a big concern. And so to me, that those are the three things that kind of stand out when I'm talking about tough. It's, hey, I can have I, I can get some help on resistant weeds. I don't have to worry about carryover, and I don't have to worry about volatility. So in terms of like soil residual, talk to us about how long a person could expect any soil residual out of tough. Well, when, we, when it comes to residual, it's a two-edged sword for tough. So tough doesn't have a residual, and that's why it's very good with, say, HPPD chemistries. Um, in terms of dealing with drift, We've had good experience or volatility. Um, we've had good experience of putting tough with, say, a product like Status, and you can balance the dose rates between the two chemistries and reduce your risk on on um, 
the drift issues that you might have. And and I'm glad you brought that up. So it's basically using the tough so then you're able to reduce the rate on either status or the HPPD, and I agree with that. At the end of the day, we want dead weeds, but it comes at a cost sometimes when we're using some of these other products, and yet we have to worry about drift or carryover, volatility, whatever it is. So it is an option at least, and it's just something for a lot of people. You know, if I step back even 10 years ago, it was basically just Roundup. A lot of people were spraying just Roundup, and then they're like, okay, I want to keep this simple. I'm just going to spray dicamba, or I'm just going to spray an HPPD. I get that, but when you look at the the, the cost-benefit thing here, I just say, you know, maybe doing some kind of tank mix would not be a bad idea. So, Tom, just tell us anything else you can today about tough. We got a, just a, a minute or two left here. What else would you like people to know about this product? Well, we know that tough has been working. It's been proven across the, the corn belt at all the major ag universities. We have one year under our belt in uh, relaunching it in a tank mixing corn, and it's done superb. Um, and we have product in stock. This is one product that we we're not going to run out of. We brought it in early. So uh, distributors, retailers, grower, growers should be able to get tough. And um, if we talk about down the road, we're going to build on the Puridate or, or tough brand and we'll bring tougher, which is a combination of mesotrion and Puridate to bring those synergistic effects into the the corn market in one formulation. Yep. And I think uh, if I had to say three things, those would be the things I would say about tough at this point in time. All right. Again, we've been talking with Tom Wood. He's with Belsham. Tom, thanks a lot for the time today. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brian. Take care now. You bet. All right. Got my brother Darren back in studio now. Uh, let's uh, let's continue the conversation here. We want to jump back on the phone lines. We got Mike Wingrove calling. He's with Integrated Ag Solutions. Uh, Mike, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Brian? Excellent. Darren, I think you had a couple of questions for Mike. Well, when we're thinking about post-emerge corn herbicides, and we heard from Tom, and there are some new options out there, like Tough is a, a great example of one of those. Uh, I had this conversation this morning, and so I thought this would be a fun way to start. Do you find that guys get stuck in their ways, Mike, that, well, this is what I've always done, so I'm going to keep on doing it? Or do you find a lot of guys are pretty open to, to different solutions? Um. I think a lot of guys get stuck in their way and just use the, what they've always been using. And um, you bring up a new product, they're they're pretty timid to jump right into using it. Um, I think, like you said, they they like to use what's been working and um, on the corn side. Um, so, you know, we we think about the the weed spectrum that's out there, and certainly right now, pigweed is one of the big ones. Uh, are there some other ones in your area that you're dealing with that you'd say, man, these are the key driver weeds for us for post-emerge corn herbicides? And uh, when we, when you look at them, I'm assuming we're talking about all broadleaves, or are there some grasses that play into it too? Um, there are spots where some grass gets grass escapes come um, some of that lighter soil and where you don't really have the best stand, a little more sunlight gets there. But for the majority of it, I would say the broad leaves are the, and pigweeds are the big issue. Yep. Uh, so pigweed, when we think about that one, a lot of times they're coming up a little bit later. But here we go with this kind of weird planting season. How are guys coming to your area? Are they, are they getting the corn in timely or is there still a long ways to go? 
Um, I would say the, here the last couple of days, guys have finally got back in the field. Um, got some storms going to come in tonight. Um, I would say uh, overall probably 60% done with corn, 60 to 70. Okay. We had a, a caller earlier on the show today who was talking about, hey, I got corn in the ground, haven't got my pre on yet. Where, what do you see the timing for, for most guys, at least what plan A is? Is it put the herbicide on first, then plant? Is it plant and then put the herbicide on? Um, I think, in my opinion, the best way to do it is plant and then put the herbicide on. Um, you're, you're getting a better better kill after your planter goes through the field. Um, get that dirt cover out of the way, and then the weeds are um, open, for, open for the herbicide to, to get on them better. And then you, it also will help extend your residual if you're using a residual herbicide. One of my big complaints, Mike, has been when I talk to farmers and they say, well, I got two to four inch tall weeds, and then they hold their hands about eight or 10 inches apart. Uh, what what would you say your target is for weeds? And uh, is it bigger than a pop can or shorter than a pop can? I like to get them um, before they're even a pop can height, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, for to answer that question, um, shorter than a pop can would be best and even sooner. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I personally, I'd rather not see them get out of the ground if at all possible, especially pigweed. That seems to be the only uh, 100% sure way to get them is if you get them before they even pop up, uh, then they aren't quite so tough. But, man, they start putting on all those growing points. It gets to be a challenge. Okay, uh, on corn, let me ask you this question. Do you have many guys using Liberty, or is that mostly getting used on beans at this point? Um, for Liberty, it's mostly getting used on beans now um a lot of roundup obviously and then for yeah for straight liberty mostly is beans in our area and any big supply issue you'd say man this one we're really going to miss that in corn this year or are you getting about everything that guys want um we had a little a little supply issue with roundup but it seems like um everything's kind of opening up now and prices are actually coming down just a little bit which is surprising and um, supply has been good as of now. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. A lot of guys have been nervous about that all year. It's been the big talk all winter. Man, will I even get what I need to control the weeds? And we just have been assuring guys, you're going to be able to kill the weeds. We may have to pick a different product here and there, but uh, I'm glad to hear for the most part it's turning out okay. We're talking with Mike Wingrove here. He's with Integrated Ag Solutions down in western Iowa. Mike, thanks for sharing your time with us and your advice. We really appreciate it. Thank you. A lot of long hours this time of year, and it sounds like the guys in western Iowa are going hard right now with the storm coming from the west, and, and they know they're going to catch some rain, so trying to get a lot of crop in the ground. Uh, we're talking about the post-emerge corn herbicides and what's going to work the best this year on today's Ag PhD program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
in a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. Getting more nitrates into the corn plant drives yields higher. When and where you place your nitrogen makes a big difference in packing nitrates into the ear. 360 Y-Drop places in right over the roots. It's the most efficient way to move nitrates into the plant for better tip fill and heavier kernels. Convert your side dress bar to 360 Y-Drop. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about post-emerge corn herbicides. Now, you may still be planting corn. We are too. We we still got corn that needs to get into the ground, but we got to think about these post-emerge herbicides because honestly, we're getting getting a lot of calls. Like we had to start the show off today. We had a farmer call in. I'm get I got corn in the ground, but I haven't been able to get a herbicide out there. It's been really windy on our farm this year. It's been challenging to find good spray days. And you may find yourself in the same spot where you have corn in the ground. You got to come back post and save it. And maybe you got your pre on and you just have some post-emerge weeds, uh, weed escapes that you have to deal with uh, trying to hit both angles here, whether you need to control everything or you just need to control some escapes out there. And there are a lot of choices. And too often we think about just one or two products that may be market leaders out there, but there's some other ones too that you should really be taking a look at that may fit your situation well. Got our friend Trevor Israel on right now with Valent to talk about a few different products. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you very much. 
Hey, Trevor, one thing I want to ask about too, and we're, we're talking about herbicides on today's show, but I, I do want to talk about Rise Up Smart Grass. Brian's been talking about that a lot. We've certainly been using some of that on our farm and have had some really good success, especially on our silage acres. It's it's really shown up well. Uh, talk to us about Rise Up Smart Grass as, as there are many growers across the country thinking about gibberellic acid and what difference it can make for the plant. Well, you're right. That's uh, gibberellic acid and the uh, it goes on uh, post-emergence. Uh, we like to, you know, before V5 corn, uh, the earlier the better, especially the, the cooler weather, the better. Um, that's uh, gibberellic acid is supplements what's uh, not produced by the plant, and uh, it can uh, stimulate growth in the plant, especially if you get off to a slow growing season, slow cold start to the to the year. Um like to put it on with a little bit of nitrogen nitrogen fertilizer to help it get into the into the leaves and into in there into the cells where it can help uh, you know helps with cell elongation and then just gives the plants a boost that uh, they aren't able to do that uh, naturally by themselves in in the cooler weather. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's it's been a, a neat product and something a little bit different and it, it works for the organic growers too, correct? Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's a, a, a organic option and a way to to boost uh, productivity on the organic acre. Um, give those plants a, a boost. Get them, you know, of course, uh, forcing them taller and uh, make them, you know, be more competitive with weeds. You know, that's always uh, 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 part of the equation there, especially on the uh, on organic trying to fight the fight weeds, but um, as, as well as a uh, silage booster, um, and then a lot of trials seen a, uh, rain, uh, booster as well. Sure. Sure. Oh, okay. Let's switch back to, to herbicides here just a little bit. And one that I know that Valence has had for a long time, I've used this product a bunch in corn and in soybeans is resource. Uh, last year we had a lot of growers talking about, man, I got some velvet leaf escapes out there. And I, my first thought was, well, what about resource? Have you tried that yet? It's, it's labeled up to like 48 inch tall velvet leaf. It, it's fantastic, but it's not just a velvet leaf product. Talk to us about resource for a minute. Right. Resource. That's a, uh, it's a, it's a PPO herbicide. It's a, uh, uh, labeled in corn. We can uh, apply it uh, V2 to V10 corn. Um, does have, a uh, rates, you know, four to, uh, to six ounces. Uh, you can go up to eight ounces in, in a drop nozzle application, but like you mentioned, uh, excellent, uh, material for, for velvet leaf among others. Um, it will, um, Target some of the smaller pigweeds, uh, common ragweed. Just it brings a lot uh, faster kill, faster burn down. You know, to a Roundup application. Um, if you uh, want to make sure you get a, a good solid kill in those weeds, uh, pigweeds, lambs quarters, um, and it's uh, you know will speed up that kill and really, you know, bring more confidence uh, to an application. You know, when there's uh, worried about an escape or um, you know with some of these heavy hitters or the glyphosate uh, being uh, potentially uh, shortages, you know, want to make sure you get a, a good kill that pass, that post-emergence pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, we talk about an old product. How about a new one or, or one that's coming soon? Uh, can you talk about Maverick yet? Um, I'll mention it. It's uh, Maverick is pending registration. It's not registered yet by the EPA. We've, we've submitted it, um, but we will, uh, we've um, been talking about it. We have it in university trials um, this year and last year. 
um, and it's a, a mixture of uh, three different uh, chemistries, and um, we've seen excellent results. Uh, position it as a uh, as a premium corn herbicide product, but it will have uh, flexibility to be applied pre or uh, pre plant burn down, or it's also a, a split application in corn. So that's a, a product we're excited about. We've seen excellent results. Um, would love to uh, you know um, talk about it more <laughs> once we. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't want to put you too the, much on a and, spot here, Trevor. I know you can only say so much for things that aren't labeled, but I do appreciate uh, this. You guys do have it in a lot of trials this year. Uh, I know uh, at the university level, there's a lot of universities that got a hold of this, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch that. So I, I just encourage anybody as you're heading to those plots this summer, keep an eye out for the new Maverick product and and consider that for next year. Hey, Trevor, thank you so much. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to put you too much on the spot but really appreciate all the info no that i appreciate that uh, um and good luck to, to you guys and, and everyone this spring you bet thanks a lot let's head down to iowa another place that needs a little bit of luck uh the guys have been behind down there a little bit this year we got zach trower with us with syngenta how's it going down in iowa right now zach yeah thanks for having me it's uh i we, we are a little down on luck but i will say we got uh some nice warm temperatures i think uh, we went from 60 to 90 literally uh in about five days um but you know it's dried out i'm down here actually in uh, southeastern iowa today and i'm seeing a lot of planters rolling a lot of dust kicking up so um we're, we're quite a bit behind from maybe the past two-year average but you know if you go back historical average i think we're we're still right on the money for getting a lot of crops in and, and still have a lot of yield potential. So Sure, sure. I, I know you're not big on the let's just do one pass and everything's going to be wonderful, but we are going to see some guys that do that. Do you like that split approach, or how, how do you like to take care of broadleaves and corn? Yeah, you know, when, when I think about uh, what our issues are today in corn, right, I think of two main weeds. It's water hemp for us in Iowa, and it's palmer amaranth for a lot of folks out west. And when you start talking about those one-pass applications on that on that uh, target species, it's just really difficult to control, right? We know they can emerge late. You know, a lot of palmer comes in in July. Water hemp can emerge all the way from right now, which it, which it is emerging, all the way out to August. So we really got to make sure that we're building a really stout program throughout the season. And it's really hard to do that just with that one pass. So personally, I'm a big fan of split shot. I'm also a realist. I also work with a lot of growers, understanding that, yeah, that one pass, uh, even a, a one pass post, or, you know, we call the row and go where we wait for the corn to spike and go and, and put on some herbicide. I know that's going to be a, um, a thing this year, but I really like those two pass acres to stay two pass if we can from an agronomic aspect of those tough weeds. Yeah, there, there are a lot of tough ones out there, and I, I do like that uh, one thing Syngenta has always been a pusher on is multiple modes of action that are going to have activity on these weeds so we don't have challenges. Uh, are you seeing any weeds that you say this year you're especially concerned about, or is it kind of the usual suspects like pigweed? You know, I think, uh, you know, pigweed for us and, and everyone else is obviously the biggest thing on everyone's mind. I will say we're starting to see some other weeds uh, poking up that are, are becoming more of an issue. I, I get more and more calls about weeds like morning glory every year. Um, that's one of those weeds when we look at our historical corn programs. We just kind of have a little bit, bit of a weak spot in that morning glory. We do have some solutions. Uh, we launched a great solution post-emergence last year for Acuron GT. Um, but, 
you know, I'd say morning glory is a watch out. It can emerge early and late. And then obviously giant ragweed. Um, that is just one of those weeds. You know, I'm originally from Wisconsin and that is just sometimes the vein of your existence where it just can come in late and you see this, you know, two foot tall weed sitting above your corn, obviously highly competitive. But again, we have some new herbicides that we can apply a little later, like Acuron GT to really put a hammer on those weeds. I went to an Iowa State University plot one time, Zach, and giant ragweed had taken over the plot where they were doing some herbicide trials. I know exactly what you mean. That can be a big problem, too. Hey, Zach, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Appreciate all the insight as well. Yep. Thanks for having me. Talking post-corn herbicides on today's Ag PhD radio show. We'll be right back. Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking post-corn herbicides. But we're always willing to take your agronomic question. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Got Ron Geis with us right now with Syngenta. I'm sorry. Corteva. Oh, sorry, Ron. <laughs> I just flubbed that. <laughs> with with Corteva, sorry about that, in northern Iowa. Uh, what's happening up there in the north part of the state? We were just talking to somebody down in southeastern Iowa. They said they're rolling down there. How about your guys? Well, I'm over, I'm not too far from your Rockwell location, in fact, now, Darren. Um, looks like a few planters going, uh, you know, kind of the hurry up before the next storm comes through. Sure, sure. Okay, well, whenever we get in a hurry, that always makes me nervous because then I think, well, the planters are going to run, but they might not get any herbicides out there. Uh, are you seeing some mm-hmm. sprayers running out there too? Yeah, there are a few. But, Darren, we, we can't stress enough how important it is to get that residual down. And, and let, let's put this into perspective. You put that residual herbicide down, that's going to be controlling weeds for six or eight weeks. And it's killing a, a seed, a tiny little seed. That's not much to have to kill. If we wait and go post-emerge, even an early, timely post-emerge, you're killing one or two inches above the ground, plus one or two inches below ground. That's an, you're asking a lot of what you're trying to get killed there. So boy, do everything you can to get that early residual down, and then we follow up with a post-emerge. You know, the residuals make such a big difference. Uh, on our farm, my, my dad was talking to us way, way back when, a long time ago, about it's, it's you know, yeah, there's some difference between products, but just getting it out there versus not is a big deal. Even if it's not the greatest pre-emerge herbicide, at least you got something out there and you're going to knock quite a few weeds out. It makes the job of that post-herbicide easier because you're fighting the escapes now instead of thick, thick patches. Have you seen the same thing? Exactly, yeah. So let's assume that your your residual herbicide is almost a disappointing 70% control or 80% control. <laughs> well, you're still now you only have 20 or 30% that you have to kill. If you didn't use that residual, you'd be at 100% of the weeds that you have to kill. So it's just really good advice. Now, I know the topic today wasn't residuals, but the residuals pay, play such an important part in the overall weed control and satisfaction of that customer that I didn't want to let that go. Sure. And, you know, you think about these group 15s that are labeled up to, for the most part, around 11-inch tall corn. And uh, that that's kind of assuring as well that, all right, I didn't get it on, but I'm still going to put it out there. What do you see with those post-emerge applications? I know we'd, we'd love to see that pre followed by a post. Uh, what do you see in the post applications? And do you like having a residual component in there? Oh, absolutely want the residual in there, Darren. You know, row and go. We've been talking row and go since the early 2000s because weeds that are escaped or emerged are small and easier to kill. Um, Heard heard you say earlier, you know, well, it's two inches tall, but you're using two hands to show me. If it takes two hands to show me how big that weed is, you're probably pushing your luck already (laughs) because it's probably beyond the size. If you can't show me on one hand how big it is, it's probably getting too big. So I always use that as the barometer. Um, also, those small weeds, I can let a weed compete with my corn crop for an inch or two, and then the yield, the yield loss really starts to add up. It's not going to cost you any less to spray early and kill that weed when it's more susceptible. In fact, you'll probably spend less money uh, spraying early than, than if you wait. 
And I think there's a misnomer. If I just wait, then there's more weeds up. Well, Darren, you've seen the data. You'll get weeds coming in July, August, and September. We're not going to wait till October to spray your weeds. Right, right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, here we go. We've got, I think we've, we're set up for a great year in that the corn's, a lot of corn's going in right now. The ground is warm. The air temperatures are warm. We're going to have fast growth. We're going to have a lot of internode elongation. We're going to have a great crop canopy mm-hmm. this year. Uh, but I do worry that crop's going to be growing so fast, kind of like what we saw last year, that guys are going to have to be cautious about what they spray and about the timing because the timing's going to be a little weird if they have a V5 corn plant that's already a foot tall. Exactly, exactly. So when, when we look across our portfolio, Something like Resicor, we're limited to 11-inch corn. Uh, we will have good news at some point. We expect a registration of the Resicor XL, which will allow applications uh, for a couple weeks longer than that. Uh, but that has not cleared EPA yet. Um, other other herbicides, and, and particularly with um, maybe a shortage or lack of ability to get glyphosate, people will be turning to things like Accent to kill grasses that are up. Um, Accent's a, a great herbicide. It's it's very safe to corn until you cross that line. Once that corn hits that V7 stage, it goes from being extremely safe to <laughs> do not use or certainly do not use uh, on top of corn. You can use with drop nozzles, but even then it can be a little bit uh, questionable. So it's real important that you understand um, the size of that corn and, and what those collar stages are and and stick with what the label says that's you know everybody we got the research down that knows you know when when they're good to use and safe to use and we got the research to say well it's no longer safe to use those products well and plus i look at this too and accent's a great example it's an excellent herbicide but we need the weeds to be an inch or two inch or three inch tall and you can you can make that one to three inch with your thumb and your index finger and if you, like you say, if you have right. to use two hands to describe how big the weed is, it's too big. And if we say, well, I'm going to wait as long as I can, the weeds are too big. And to, in my mind, that's how we run mm-hmm. into to weed resistance. We're just trying to kill too big a weed with not enough rate of herbicide. Exactly right. And I'm glad you said thumb and index finger. I met a guy once. He worked in a packing plant. He had lost his index finger. Well, he figured he could spray bigger weeds because he used his next finger over. That's uh, just not the way it is, Garen. No, no. <laughs> one to three inch weeds. That's what'll die. That's that's a great point, Ron. Uh, any last comments you want to make on post corn herbicides? Maybe additives uh, or early. additives or spray coverage uh, or any of those types of things. Yeah, good point on both of those. Um, you know, water's pretty cheap. I know it might mean an extra two or three fills for the entire year for you to use 15 gallons instead of 10. Uh, but, you, you know, you use plenty of water. Uh, it, it's one of the best um, things you can do to get chemicals into weeds. And, uh, and use the proper additives. Um, there's, the, each chemical has its own recommendation, and sometimes that recommendation changes with the weather. But when it's dry and the humidity is low, you got to load her up. When it's... Um, real humid and lush conditions you got to probably back it down a little bit if you're if you're breaking a sweat getting to the sprayer you better be calling somebody to to uh to decide what what it is that you need to do to be using the right additives because that'll that'll make a difference between excellent control or or too much crop response uh just make sure you get it right yep absolutely great advice hey ron thank you so much really appreciate having you on and good luck here the rest of the spring you bet thank you darren good luck to you 
know, Brian, one other weed that we didn't talk about, and we had a question that came in from Jeff over in Minnesota. So you guys are talking about post-emerge weed control in corn. Uh, how about re- volunteer Roundup Ready alfalfa uh, pre and post? Is there anything decent for stopping it if Roundup isn't going to work at all? All right. So I love spraying dicamba pre in corn. Now, a lot of people say, well, can't I just use 2,4-D? No, you cannot. If anybody ever tells you use 2,4-D in front of corn, um, just tell them, look, you may want me to do this, but it's too hard on the corn. We've had, we've seen stand loss before. We've had crop response issues spraying 2,4-D pre-emergent corn. Please don't, don't, don't do it. Dicamba is the way to go. Now, early post, that's where I'm going to tell you I'd switch over to status. It's a little safer and it's a little better. Yeah, it's going to cost more money but than straight dicamba, but that's the direction I'd go post-emerge. So pre, uh, like a pint of Banville or Clarity, post, I'd run status, and then you should be in pretty good shape cleaning up any volunteer Roundup Ready alfalfa. Um, Hey, one of the things I was going to throw out there too, just with Ron's last comments about water usage and adjuvants and everything else, and I appreciate the fact he said, call somebody if you want to know. If you have specific questions, you you can ask us, but yes, it is nice working with a local agronomist who knows your situation and the conditions, because it does matter what you're going to do. And even that water comment, you know... When things are big, we want lots of water. When things are small, you can actually get by and you're going to be just fine in most cases with less water. That way you get a more concentrated droplet. So it absolutely can vary depending on your conditions, depending on your weed height. Stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions right after this. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Farmers everywhere are discovering Germinator closing wheels. Dick from Iowa says, in every case, our germination rate was better than expected. Total destruction of the furrow sidewall and ideal seed-to-soil contact. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. 
At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. It is time for the Ag PhD mailbag, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to call with an agronomic question or comment. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. And email is exactly what D did. Uh, who asks, have you ever used Rise Up Smart Grass on triticale? And if so, how early should we apply it? No, we have not. We, I don't think, have ever raised triticale here. We have done it on wheat. We've done it on corn. We've done it on pasture grass. So, yeah, we've used Rise Up a number of times. What we have found is this. We can increase plant growth. We can increase tonnage. We just, unfortunately, have not been able to increase yield. But if tonnage is a big deal for you, so in other words, you want more straw after your triticale, you want more, whatever, silage for, uh, for your livestock, you want more pasture grass in total. If tonnage is what you're after, then we'd tell you, yeah, this is probably a pretty good idea. So I will just tell you what the label is going to tell you, that you can spray uh, when that, that crop is relatively small, and they're, they're going to suggest anywhere from one application all the way up to, if you wanted to, you could do as many as three applications. But our advice is I wouldn't be spraying that uh, like every week or anything like that. They'll tell you in the label every three to four weeks. Personally, I think you could probably get by with even every couple weeks if you really wanted to. But uh, the crop can be relatively small. So what it's going to say is, and right on the label, and I'll just quote, it says application to cereal grains during stem elongation uh, jointing onwards can result in lodging. Uh, apply during early tillering growth stages prior to stem elongation to avoid lodging. So again, when we start talking about making that plant taller, making it bigger, then you have more of this lodging concern. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. But yeah, th this could be a good thing if you're looking for more tonnage. And the other big thing, just to explain this a little bit for all of our listeners here, 
What Rise Up Smart Grass is, is gibberellic acid. The plant normally, all plants will normally produce gibberellic acid. But they only are going to produce it at high levels when it's warm. So that's why when it's warm, your plant grows taller. Okay, makes sense. Well, the thing is, what we're trying to do here is trick the plant into thinking things are better by giving it more gibberellic acid even when the weather's cold. So when this product works, any gibberellic acid product, when it works, is when the temperature is cooler. So like right on the label, it's going to tell you average daily temperatures, 40 to 60 degrees. I'll often say, boy, even if the, the air temps for a high are 70, 75 well, you might be getting pretty cold at night, so you, your average would still be lower. You could still get some gain. But anyway, yeah, you you just want to spray it when it's cool. If you think, oh, I'm going to spray it on days when it's 85 degrees and it's been 85 and it's going to be 85 every day, yeah, you're, you're not going to get anything out of that product. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Got another one here from Corey. And Corey said, I know you guys have talked about shelter belts and you talked about potassium helping with the with the trees and getting yes. faster growth. We're planting a few dogwood trees. Just wondering what type of fertilization program we should use, how to incorporate that into the planting, and if we could put it right in the holes as we're digging. We're mainly thinking about this potassium. Is there a granular form that we could use? Sure. You can use potash. There are other granular forms too. But we will typically, in our region, we, we're typically just using potash. That's potassium and chloride. In terms of putting it right with the tree, I'm going to caution you against that. Think about it. So if you're a farmer, think about it. If we were to put all our potassium right in the furrow with our seed, yeah, that probably wouldn't work well because it's too much salt overload in a short period of time. So what we would say is, here, here's what we did before we, we put in our shelter belt. We went out and broadcast enough potassium to raise the base saturation potassium level in that area to 7%, maybe even 8 something like that. So we put on a lot of K, we tilled it in, and then it's going to be there for a long time. And you might say, well, in between the rows, you know, I don't really need it. Okay, you're not going to need it today, but sooner or later, those tree roots are going to get between the rows. And eventually, I mean, it might be 20 years from now, but eventually they're going to pull up that potassium. And the reason why potassium is so important in trees, it's the same thing we talk about in all crops for lodging or basically stock quality, stock diameter. We can get bigger stocks, stronger stocks if we have more K there. All right, well, what's the most important thing in a tree? It's that trunk, that stalk. So you can make it bigger and you'll get a lot more growth overall if you have really good potassium levels. Now, I'm not saying short yourself on anything else. You want to have other fertility out there just like a crop, but potassium is the most important thing for trees. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Corey. This is a name from Scott over in Illinois. He said, you drive around in our area. It seems organic matter in the soil is becoming an endangered species in 90% of the fields. Is tillage the number one culprit or what else is causing the decline in organic matter? Yeah, tillage should be number one. And and here's the thing, too. When you drive around, you, you aren't going to really know, is organic matter going down or is it going up? 
I can't tell when I when I drive past somebody's field if below the soil the organic matter levels are increasing. Now, I don't know if he's referring here to organic material. That's residue that's laying on the soil surface. That is a completely different thing than organic matter that's down in the soil. Organic matter, what that is, that is fully decayed plant and animal residue. So it, it, it's just, it's different things. But anyway, in terms of how you build soil organic matter, number one is reduced tillage. Now, I'm not saying you can't use tillage and still build soil organic matter, but you're going to build it a heck of a lot faster the less tillage you use. After that, we'd encourage you to take a look at trying to use manure or compost on your acres. Use cover crops when necessary. Plant crops with lots of roots, like corn, for example, has roughly five times the root mass of soybeans. Well, most organic matter comes from decaying roots, not from all that above-ground residue that you see, but from decaying roots. So if we can leave those roots intact, then you build soil organic matter faster. Then the last thing I'd say that you certainly could do is use some biological products as well to help speed the increase of soil organic matter. Now, there is a limit to it as well. Five to seven percent, That's that, that quite frankly is my limit. So if I had ground that let's say was peat or muck soil that had 15, 20, 30 percent organic matter, I probably would be doing tillage. And some people might say, oh, you're depleting the organic matter and that's bad for the soil. Well, I can raise more crop if I only have five or seven percent organic matter soil as opposed to 30 when it's literally tying everything up and causing lots of problems problems out there for me. Now, granted, that's a tiny percent of the acres that are farmed in the United States and Canada, but I'm just saying, not in all cases is tillage going to be bad. All right. Scott had one more question. He said, I, I had to question you about your drainage tile comment. Uh, there are miles of drainage ditches and tile lines in the area, and yet we believe we're not impacting how fast the water leaves the watershed. Do I understand what you're saying correctly? Okay, drainage ditches and tile are two completely separate things. He's dead on right saying drainage ditches are going to speed drainage. Okay, I agree with that 1,000%. But on the other hand, if you put tile in the ground, what ends up happening is that the water's now going to go slowly out of the field as opposed to if, let's say, I didn't have tile in the ground, and I have ground that's 100% saturated. Well, where does that water have to go when it lands on the field? It runs off, and it runs off fast. And that, in a lot of cases, is the cause of flash flooding. What we're trying to do with tile is create a reservoir out there. So our farm is a great example. We don't get lots of rainfall, but sometimes we do get some big rains. If I get a big rain, and two weeks later I get another big rain, wouldn't it be nice if between those times I've got tile in my field and I can slowly get that water table down and the water table is only going to go down to the level of the tile, we put our tile, most of our tile in at three feet so that water table is not getting down very far. But anyway, the point is I've then created a reservoir so when we get the next big rain, now most of it can soak in as opposed to having to run off. So anyway, it's slow and to some degree controlled release of water with tile drainage ditches and in some cases where people will put ditches in fields they do what they call well anyway they're they're creating faster channels for water to move through fields yes that's absolutely going to speed up the time when that water gets downstream 
All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that, Scott. And thanks to you for listening to our show today. We're talking post-emerge corn herbicides. And I know as planting is still going on, it seems like it's a ways off, but it's good to be prepared for that uh, so you can make the best decisions going forward. Thanks for listening to our show and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.